Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Back in your life, back in the building with our holsters and our pistols. It's Shots Fired. I'm Michael Morgan and he is Chisanga Malata. She is G from Woe TV and he is the bearded one, the beautiful uh, brown skin and faded hair. It's Kairos Bodley. <laughs> I needed that boost for the day. That, that blessed, helped, thank you so much. Blessed and favoured as <laughs> usual. <laughs> Seriously, I'm envious of that fade, man. You're looking, you're, you're, you're of the um, of the waves, man. You're looking fresh to death. Not as fresh as G. Look at that skin. Look at that glow yeah, on your skin. Mm. Mm. America's open, baby. Come visit. There might be some COVID still here. But we're up and moving. Haircuts, everything is hustling, bustling. So come visit. You get a fade. Mm. Yeah, the fade is on point. But speaking of fate, before we do lose all of our listeners to talking about things we <laughs> can only uh, see if they've got the visual version of this and not the audio, as usual, we have got things to bring to the table. And without further ado, Kyra Spodley, over to you. See that? Bit, bit of yeah. skills there. Appreciate that. Big Daddy Kane. We keep seeing that Tyron Woodley's talking a big game, as he should. You know, he has all the ability to win this fight. And damn it. He better win this fight. And my question for all of you is, what, in fact, is a win for Tyron Woodley in this situation? Is his only win if he goes out there and embarrasses this kid or if this goes to a decision and he, like, outstrikes him? Is that, like, is that worth noting? And, or is that just a loss in itself? Because we saw Anderson Silva go out there and just straight embarrass Julio Suz, whatever his name is, Chavez. I don't know boxing. Y'all know, I don't know that shit. But at least he put on a show. If Tyron Woodley goes out there and throws 10 strikes and Jake throws two strikes. He outstruck him. But does that count as a win when we are all like, oh, he's a power punch. He's X. He's Y. Because like it or not, he represents MMA. It doesn't matter what anyone says. He's representing MMA in this. Like, we are two and two right now. We got Anderson with the win. Who else we got with the win in MMA? Somebody else got a win. He needs to fucking get it together. My question for Gina is, what is a win for Tyron Woodley? And if this goes to a decision, is that a win as well? A win for Tyron Woodley is him just fucking showing up and getting paid. If Ben Askren can show up and pass the fuck out, barely throw a punch, you just end the fight, show up with love handles and a cardboard sign, Tyron Woodley can do whatever the fuck he wants and get paid. I don't want to hear shit about, oh, Tyron didn't show up because everybody made three million excuses for Ben Askren's <clears throat> lazy love handle ass and he got paid. So I don't care what Woodley does. I would prefer for him to knock this kid out. But my man getting paid like no other. So I'm with it. Decision, knockout, he falls flat in his face. He's getting paid. Uh, I, I, I think <laughs> he either needs to stop him or he needs to, like, embarrass him. It, like, it, or embarrass him and, like, take him deep into the wars to the point where he's almost uh, as fatigued as Conor McGregor was in the, the, the latter stages of the, of the Floyd fight. I think it has to... 
it would have to resemble something like that if it was to go to, to go the distance. But considering Tyron, as, as we say, he, he's also, um, oh, let's not forget, he's also on the four fight losing streak. And he needs, I wouldn't say redemption necessarily for himself because he's a, he's a multiple time world, world champion. But in the eyes of the MMA community, I think he needs he needs to he needs to show up and he needs to show out against against his kid. And the best way to do that would be to put a thorough beating on him. I don't necessarily know if he's gonna knock him out because there's always this. Um, well, I think the bigger punching with boxing gloves and having knockout power in boxing gloves is is different than one punch knockout power with uh, with four ounce gloves. But anyway, what's a win for Tyron Woodley? He either has to stop him or, as I said, embarrass him. And I think I'm, I'm confident T Wood's going to get the job done. So much I'm going to put money on it. I don't know how much yet, but I'll put some money on it. Mr. Morgan? A win would undoubtedly be a straight KO. Nothing else is going to be acceptable. Remember this. Let's just cast our minds back to what Jake Paul was doing five years ago. The fact is, he wasn't out there starching people. He wasn't out there actually um, beating world beaters. He wasn't out there um, displaying stand-up prowess. No, not on the same level that Tyron Woodley was, starching fools, out there dominating people, but more importantly, making a serious name for himself. He was a YouTube star. Fact is fact. He wasn't out there dominating on the world stage in terms of combat. So anything else than a straight line or flat line KO is not acceptable. I personally feel as though, and I hate to say this, Tyron Woodley won't show up. I feel that the whole dollars, that is what he's been led by. He's been led by the, let's see, breaking news also agreeing with me there. He's, he's, been led, he's been led by the dollar signs, not necessarily by kudos, not necessarily by legacy, not necessarily by reputation. And that is a dangerous situation to find yourself in because there's a show up mentality there. And that is what worries me. And that's what makes me feel that's what we've been seeing in recent times a show-up mentality. Jay. Thank you. Thank you. Jasanga G, y'all are on ice right now for giving this man a way out. There is no way out of this. There is no way. If Damian Maya today said, I'm retired for combat sports and I'm not grappling anymore, and I say, fine, I've been training jiu-jitsu for two years, seriously, with bringing in opponents, and I go and roll with Damian Maya, and he doesn't submit me in four rounds of G BJJ, how the fuck can he look himself in the mirror? How is this any different from that? We're talking about, with all the accolades we talk about with Tyron Woodley, with his enormous power, the athleticism, the KO, like, you can't not knock out a motherfucker. All we talk about is your KO power. All we talk about is your KO power. If you want the achievement, if you want to be regarded very high, you want to be, to be regarded for. There's no scenario where Tyron Woodley wins if he doesn't knock him out. He's not going against Josh Koscheck. He's not going against Dong Young Kim. It's not Carlos Kami. It's Jake Paul, YouTuber. So if he doesn't knock him out, this is a loss from I don't care how much money he grosses. I don't care how much his music booms from this. If he does not knock him out, this is a loss for him. Even if he, like, like just carries him towards the end. Like, I mean, like, embarrasses him. Like, like do you not remember how... I don't want to necessarily say this. It was embarrassing for uh, how Connor was against Floyd in the later stages, but you remember how he was all over the place, down down to fatigue and everything. I think if it was, if it was, yeah, if it was to resemble that, I think it still would be a win. Like that, he's literally 
put a prolonged beating on this kid, on this little this little asshole. I think I think it would be better, but not better. I think it would also be a win. But I get your point. I I, I do I do get your point. But mm-hmm. for it to be a a clean win, a clean cut win, he has to stop them. <laughs> I agree with you. I- I get Kairos's point, but I'm also keeping the same energy as Ben Askren. In case Tyron Woodley does not complete the job, because we all thought Ben Askren was going to do it, believe it or not. You know what I mean? Because we don't have any respect for the Logan brothers, so we assume Ben would get it done. If Tyron doesn't get it done, I'm going to be really happy with him getting paid. No, 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 no. When I brought up legacy, when I brought up Ben Askren's legacy and how he didn't do nothing and this was that, 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 everybody just jumped on me like, oh, he got paid, though. He's the real winner. We're not doing that for Tyron? We're not doing that for Tyron? I didn't say Mm. that. (laughs) No, he. but he has to knock him out. He has to knock him out. But we're going to hold Tyron to different standards than Ben. But I'm just saying if if Tyron can't really knock this kid out or if he beats him any old way i'm happy for him he got paid yep preach i get what you're saying yes people are holding him to an unfair standard but i'm not holding him to an unfair i told i was like ben if you don't win this fight you embarrass us all and when he lost people like he made x amount of money i'm like i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck you can't go out there perform like that yeah, but I like, changed. I was one of those people. You know what I mean? So now I've changed. I'm going to keep the same energy. If Ben can come up in there with a cardboard sign and do absolutely nothing, so can Tyron. <laughs> yeah, fuck both of them. If, if, ben, <laughs> if Tyron comes out there and he fucking loses, I promise you this. I promise you this. His entire legacy that he's built so much. And I, I, this isn't fair. It's not right but it's the reality of the situation. If he goes out there and loses, or if he goes out there and is competitive, his entire legacy is going to get washed away with this forever. The internet is only going to know Tyron Woodley that lost to a fucking YouTuber. That is it. And that's why this is important. Because, yeah, yeah, it's not fair, but that's the ramifications of this. You sign up for that paycheck, this is the internet meme culture era of the world right now. Mm -hmm. You fucking go out there and lose this shit, it's no more Tyron Woodley, multiple time welterweight champion, into the world, the feeder of Robbie Lawler, the feeder of like the feeder of all these people. It is you got washed by an 18-year-old who has not trained. You've been training in the gym at Rufus Sport and at other major gyms for your entire life. Mm. And you lost to someone who's doing hot kickboxing on Saturdays at, at the yoga, yoga studio. studio. Like, come Preach. on, come the Preach. Preach. Oh Lord, you crack me up, man. <laughs> All right. I, I suppose I'll, I'll take the mic. Let me put some extra light on myself because mm. I'm still feeling the little fade I have here. But all right. <laughs> uh, this news actually came just before we came on the air. And it's regarding, well, I, I don't want to say everybody's favorite Russian, but it seems like after <laughs> he made a splash last year that I just saw so many fan accounts with, with him and, and uh, with his name in it and what what have you. Anyway, the person I'm on about is, of course, Mr. Hamzat Chimaev, who we hope has made a full recovery from his uh, prolonged effects of COVID. Ari Hawani, shout out to Ari Hawani, and the fact he's got many a gig now off the back of his uh, departure from ESPN. Congrats. It's good to see him with his independence back. It's good to see him back with uh, No Fear Hawani. Exactly. Yes. We wish him, and we wish him well. But he also revealed this evening that Hamzat Chimaev, has turned down the opportunity to fight former UFC middleweight champion and Strike Force 
middleweight champion. I've got to put the proper respect on his name. <laughs> Rock holds. Now, as soon as I saw this, I tweeted, well, my initial, my initial thoughts were that this isn't a good look for Chimaev because Chimaev has built this, I don't want to necessarily say brand because he's only had, what, three fights in the UFC, but he's kind of built this aura of being Mr. Anywhere, Anytime, any, any opponent, any weight. And now that a former UFC middleweight champion, a two promotion champion, who <laughs> off the back of two consecutive losses, stoppage losses, I believe, and a two-year layoff has offered the opportunity to fight you and you've declined that, uh, that opportunity, I think that's personally affected, affected his reputation. Now, I don't know how casual fans will proceed or what have you, but I, for one, I, I agree with that sentiment. So I'm going to come to Kairos first with these. Kairos, what was your initial reaction to the news? And do you agree with my statement that Chemayev's stock has kind of gone down because of his the decision to turn down this fight? Before I start, I want you to let me land, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down a path here. Let me land. Okay. Hamzat Shamayev is a coward. I told y'all about him months ago. I told y'all he was author. I told y'all when it finally came to him taking fights that he should take, he wasn't going to take them. How do you build an entire cult following up? I'm going to smash this guy. It doesn't matter who they put up against me. I'm going to do it. He has 2.9 million followers on Instagram. I just checked. How the fuck do you get that much? after fighting Jabro or jabronis in the UFC. How do you get to that point? So I'm sitting here like, you built an entire push from the fan base because you're out there, you're delivering high quality performances, you're also calling people out and you're also paying for followers too. But that now when it comes time to fight someone who's actually decorated and been in the sport for an incredibly long time, has accomplished a lot and absolutely should get this fight because he's unranked right now, even though his talent level isn't an unranked fighter, if we're going to be honest. You say no. You say no. That makes no sense whatsoever. And here's my, it, here's the biggest issue with this, okay? I wouldn't say shit. I wouldn't say shit if him and his fans weren't hyping him up saying that he could beat everybody in the world. I wouldn't say shit because I understand in order for you to win a title, sometimes you don't take certain fights at certain times. I advocate for that. I advocate for that more times than I don't because it's like, listen, no one is the best fighter on the planet. Who's the best fighter that day? So I understand I've been there, right? You, but you can't talk that shit and then avoid by same as how Colby Covington does that shit, same as how a lot of the welterweights do that shit, and a few other middleweights. You can't do that. Not for him. So no, fuck him. Fuck him. Maybe he should retire again. Talk about scorched earth, right? Uh, G, I'm going to prime the mic to you. What, what, were your, what was your initial reaction, and what's your reaction to Kairos' thoughts on uh, Chemayev's turning down of a fight with Luke Rockhold? I think that Shemaev, when he first stepped on the scene, he talked a lot of shit. He would fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. And then he became an overnight sensation. He gets to sit next to fucking Dana White at fights like he's been fighting in the organization his whole goddamn life when he hasn't. He gets to just call out anybody. He just, you know, he's become a celebrity. So that's what the fuck you get when you rush somebody and they're not even ranked yet. So now you got some type of diva that's now going to pick and choose his opponents, even though he said... He would fight anybody. He was an overnight celebrity and he's going to start acting like one. And that's what I think. Too much too soon, Chisanga. Yeah. We I don't mean, even, we, we don't even know, like, yes, he's um, scorched a couple of fighters. Yes. Um, Mere shot. Who else? Like, um, 
Reese. Your boy. There you go. Reese, like he's flattened definitely a lot of people. But I just think the notoriety is just the overnight sensationalism of him has kind of made him now the reason why he won't fight Luke Rockhold. He's about to start being picky with fights. And don't forget, he was like flown across the world for COVID treatment. He's not even ranked. So it's going to it's going to get to your head. You're going to be a little arrogant. You're going to start to turn down fights. Mike, what you think? Yeah, I saw a wry smile on your face, Mike. Let's see. Right. Sorry, I, I was just clearing my ears because uh, I thought I heard Kairos, I mean, just to answer your question, it is a two-parter. I thought I heard Kairos say the word scrubs, that Hamzat Chemaev had actually fought scrubs. Am I, am I recollecting this right? Did, is that what he said? Kairos? I don't know. what I don't deny but I don't remember saying that. I thought I chose my words very carefully. I thought I heard, but I don't deny it. I probably scrub. didn't say that. Yeah, I just want to pick you up on that. John Phillips, the white Mike Tyson, is not a scrub. The highly touted prospect, Reese McKee, coming from Cage Warriors, is not a scrub. Gerald Mesher, in my humble opinion, is not a scrub. So where you're getting off with the scrubs, I don't know. These are people who provided tests to him. Yes, he starched them. Yes, he scorched them. Yes, he made quick work of them. But the fact is, they weren't scrubs. But getting back to what Chisanga was saying... I take issue with Chisanga. Chisanga, how dare you? How very dare you? You know the caliber of this man. You know his pedigree. You know where he's coming from. You know who he trains with. You know where he's training at. There is no way on this earth that you could even insinuate that he was pick choosing and refusing his opponent. Think about it like this. He is a 170er. What is Luke Rockhold Actually, uh, what division is he in right now? Light heavyweight, right? So you, Whoa, expect, you I'm sorry, continue. You expect a 170 to go up two weight divisions in order to actually uh like some performing monkey, um perform to you know the, what? the masses. Now I take issue with that. I love the fact that he is in the driver's seat, he has taken his career by the scruff of its neck and said no. I dance to the beat of my own drum. That's the first thing. Secondly, I feel as though Luke Rock holds glass chin, wouldn't actually stand oh. up to a fingertip press towards it. Oh um, my God. A close <laughs> fist. There is no way that he's able to actually stand in front of Chimaev. He should be bowing in front of Chimaev. The way that I look at it is this. I love to see a fighter take hold of his actual career and say, not today. I'm not going to be baited into this. I see my career path and it's in the 170 division. He's mapped this out. He's obviously got this roadmap already established with Dana, who rightly so is treating him how he should be treated as royalty, with respect, on a pedestal. So no, I take issue with both of you. I, okay, there's, uh, I've, I agree with what you're saying about the, the pedigree of him. Yes, we, we, uh, we, we know, we know uh, he comes from very, very good stock and our, our, our boy Jimmy Manuel is very, very, very high on him and he's regaled some tales of just the things that Shemaev can do in the gym. I'm not going to name any names for the, because of you don't, you don't reveal the details of sparring or, or, or what have you. But I take issue with a few, <laughs> a, a, a few things of what, what you say. Like at this stage, Shemaev, He's not. He's not a star, and I don't think he has the 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 pull among the fan base or the uh, the social media metrics to be able to pick and choose who and when he, when he fights. 
He's still what is he? Is he? Is he's fought three fights in in the UFC? Yes, he's became an, an overnight sensation or, or or what have you. But I mean, he, he hasn't fought in how long now? I, I think he, nearly close to a year. It's, it's September when he fought Gerald Mearshaw, I believe. I think that might have been the week before the Woodley Covington fight. But so he doesn't get he doesn't get to pick and choose. He doesn't get to pick and choose, and also. Mr. Perpetuator of this this fallacy of Luke Rockhold having a glass chin. Do we need to go back and look at who who he got knocked out by? Michael Michael Bisping. Yes, yeah. People would say Michael Bisping doesn't have one punch knockout power, but no, he doesn't. He does for Luke. Towards the end of his career, Michael Bisping. If you if you started noticing all the. Uh, little improvements that he was making, in, in particular with his footwork, and in particular how he was sitting down on the shots. Michael Bisping developed, I don't want to say knockout, it wasn't knockout power, but he developed power to hurt somebody. And he did that with Luke Rockhold. He capitalized on Luke Rockhold's uh, tendency to leave, uh, to be susceptible to, to a left hand. No left hand. Yeah. Yo Romero. I mean, Yo Romero could, could knock out a horse if he really wanted to with one shot. So, you, you can't begrudge him for that. And Jan Blahovic as well. I mean, come on. Jan has been starching people of late. So, I mean, I'm, you got you, you got to stop that. With, with, with let that. Me, let, can I jump in um, yeah, real quick? For, for the, well, first and foremost, Mike, I have something to um, pick with you. Reese McKee is a scrub. Like, he, he, he is. I'm sorry. And I, I like Reese, but he hasn't been too successful in the UFC. In fact, they cut him. So I think Shamayev easily making work of him is for the very reason is that he's not that good and he's not UFC caliber. So I don't agree with you on that, Mike. And don't also, which, yeah, I, but he's not in the UFC either, is he? Um, and, you. The, and, the, and the UFC is the premier MMA organization. And the fact that Shamayev put them away so easily kind of showed their glaring holes in their you know, ground game as well, which also says that they're scrubs because they fight in a mixed martial arts organization where you have to be on top of all the facets of fighting. So I don't agree with you, Mike, on that. And Chisanga, you sound good and goddamn crazy with this fairy tale of Michael Bisbing sitting down on punches. Come on. You know, Mr. Bisbing is punches and bunches king. He's the dude that slaps up people so hard. The TKO was the ref come and shut shit down because Michael Bisbing just kind of just beat him up real quick. And as far as Luke Rockhold, yeah, his chin is weak. It doesn't matter who knocked him out. It's four knockouts, what, in a row? And on top of that, if your chin is weak, Luke, then you work on being defensively sound, except especially on the left side. So I hold him a bit more accountable than, oh, John Bakovich hits hard, yada, yada. I don't know. Maybe it's just a different perspective. Okay, Luke did take some shots from, uh, who did he fight after the baseball? Uh, the, Derek Branch. David Branch. He did yeah, take some. Sh- he did take some shots from David mm-hmm. Branch in, the, in that fight, and his chin held he out. He did. He so, did. Again, I'm. I'm. I'm not ready to to write off his chin. It's not like Amir Khan. I don't know if you know Amir Khan, the British boxer. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic boxer, world class boxer. No, he is. Years ago, he was piecing up Canelo in their fight, like just cruising to a points victory. Canelo landed one overhand right, and didn't it spin out. him three sixty or some shit like? Uh, it was pretty yeah, it bad. One. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. But it was incredible. I, I, I'm not going to equate Luke Rockhold's jaw with that that type of level glass jaw. But 
We'll see in this next fight, whoever he fights next. Yeah, and I'm last, happy he's back, and I hope he attracts Mike. Go ahead. Mike's point was he can't jump around weight classes. I mean, it's not a fight. Five for 185. More than 50% of your fights are 185. But, How the hell can you also, not be a middleweight right now? You're a middleweight. But, does, but doesn't Shemayev brag about jumping weight classes? Yes, He'll he fight anybody? Yes. Yes, he does. So now, so now why all of a sudden is he being careful with his career? Yeah, but like, why aren't we applauding someone who is saying, look, I'm not performing, monkey. Because nah. he, he hasn't earned no, it yet. Because you want it. It doesn't mean that I want it. He I'm hasn't earned it yet. I'm the, I'm the captain of my ship. Plus, I have to concede this. I, <laughs> I, I, I've been put firmly in my place by G when, you know, she was talking about Reese McKee. I can't defend that. That's, that's indefensible. I'm getting in my feelings as well about John <laughs> Phillips because A, he's one of my favourite bangers out there. B, I followed him around the UK circuit. I'm talking about with a camera doing behind the scenes of him. So again, I'm in my feelings about that. So I can yeah. see that. But Chisanga Malata, to your eyes, Luke Rockhold's chin is paper thin. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stoop to your level. I've already stated my uh, my opinion on it. So it's facts. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Lord knows that he'll probably end up getting starched in his next fight. Or oh, what. you! But no, in all I'm honesty, in all honesty, I'm a huge fan of Luke Rockhold, and I really hope he address like not the yeah, chin, but being defensively sound. And I hope he wins his next fight. As much shit as I'm talking about oh, his chin, same here. Same here. You can avoid getting hit in the chin, is what I'm saying, and I hope that Luke has learned that in his time off and is successful. You know, I, well, I pr prior to um, the unfortunate accident, I I really thought that uh, a rematch with Chris Weidman could be on the cards, regardless of the result of the Uriah uh, Hall fight. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, um, unfortunately, the hor horrific leg break happened. So yeah, that's a rematch I'd love to see too. Yeah. All right. Is it you? Right. I, I think I'm up and it's a little bit of a gloomy subject, but it's something that we really need to discuss. So, so mental illness in the UFC is quietly becoming an epidemic. And I don't think we talk about it enough. And I don't think the UFC discusses it enough. And I have some examples here with some fighters that are dealing with it. Um, you're familiar with this guy, Mike, Tom Breeze. He yeah. recently was cut because of debilitating anxiety that actually keeps him from performing. Is and he was cut. No, is he definitely cut? He's no longer yeah. in the fan ranking. He's no longer. Yeah, yeah he was no cut. Right. And ex exactly around the time where I'm hearing that it could have had something to do with anxiety, and he has a history of debilitating anxiety. Right. Nothing was said by the UFC, by the way. And then we also have clinical depression. And our former middleweight champion, Robert Whitaker, was dealing with that when he was training for Kelvin Gastelum, in which he said that he contemplated retirement because he just didn't have the energy to do anything in life. And he just wanted to lay down. We all know this is a former middleweight champion with a career, a wife, children, and plenty of doing. He's a breadwinner. And the man just wanted to lay down. Mm. That's depression. And let's not forget. And also, too. Let's discuss suicide ideation. Jeremy Stevens contemplated suicide in high school. And he also contemplated suicide when he lost to Jose Aldo with that magnificent body shot that sent him flying. He contemplated suicide. Haven't heard much of the UFC discussing this. I'm going to say that again. But it was his coach that got him therapy. And now he says he's doing well. So that's pretty awesome. And 
Last but not least, we have Tony Ferguson that had that very scary incident that involved his family, his wife, and his children. And it also required immediate psychiatric attention. And from some you know, reports that I was reading this morning, allegedly he's on medication called Risperdone, which is used for bipolar and schizophrenia, allegedly. This is just some of the things I you know, read online. And that's pretty serious. And finally, just recently, Louise Pena, violent Bob Ross, was picked up on a warrant for robbery and battery that involved his girlfriend. But a couple of days ago, he mysteriously tweeted about mental illness. And this is what he said. People aren't comfortable talking about this, but I have been going through serious mental health issues my entire life. And I have finally gained the strength to get and accept the help that I've needed for a long time. If you're struggling, take it from me. It's okay to reach out. And I'm going to repeat one more point. The UFC has not said shit. And I have just read 50,000 motherfucking examples of mental illness and possible brain damage in the UFC. So I did a little research and I actually Googled Dana White speaking on mental health issues. And the only thing I could find was Dana kind of being very cold about the Spencer Fisher issue. And you guys know that Spencer Fisher is exhibiting signs of CTE, correct? So here is Dana's response to that issue. But listen, Fisher is not the first, and he's definitely not going to be the last. This is a contact sport, and everybody who has ever done this, while younger, myself included, is dealing with brain issues. It's just a part of the gig. Wow. Okay. So with all that being said, my question to you is this. How should the UFC respond to mental Ill illness and possible brain damage? And why are they so mum about this in the first place? And I'm going to start with Chisanga. In an ideal world, well, look, I don't know if this is necessarily the case or what have you made, and maybe maybe it is, but they want to keep it under wraps due to uh, for anonymity reasons. But I think the UFC should have a dedicated mental health like they should have doctors on their roster dedicated specifically to the mental health of the of, of the fighters now i don't know how feasible that is because the, the roster is over 500 but say f for instance if they were to have like maybe 10 doctors on the payroll and i, I, I don't i don't know how much an average doctor a psychiatric doctor's uh, salary is in, in in the u.s but a multi-billion dollar company like the ufc could definitely afford that and if they were to implement something like that, it could give fighters an avenue to discuss their um, their their issues, the anxieties that they're dealing with. And, and because, as as you know, men in general they tend to bottle up all these things. They don't they don't want to talk about it publicly, and because there's still a stigma, and that stigma is probably a thousand times worse, a thousand times higher for fighters who are meant to be the alpha male, who are meant to be untouchable both physically and mentally. I'd like to see the UFC make a conscious effort when it comes to the mental mental health of their fighters. And in, in particular, well, we can go back to the, the Mike Perry incident where he assaulted the, their, I don't want to necessarily say elderly man, but he was in, in his fifties or, or what have you. The UFC kind of addressed it and said, that, oh, yeah, we're going to give him that, the help that he needs. But then just a few months later, he was booked for another fight. So it makes you wonder just how much help was, was he given and what assessment was made to determine that he was sound of mind to go back and compete. I I, I think, well, I, I'm coming from the perspective of 
treating the UFC like any other major sporting league, but it's not like any other major major sporting league. Any other major sporting league in the world has has these avenues of uh, their athletes can go down and can uh, ex- express their anxieties and their concerns to well to people who can help them and can give them the best help. But with UFC. I, I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's a hundred percent there. I don't want to say for for certain because that might be the case, and they're just keeping it under wraps just for the sake of the fighters. But I think they could do more. And as, as it pertains to the the Spencer Fisher thing, just hearing you hearing that Dana White quote again, just ice cold. <laughs> yeah, it was ice. It was ice cold. Yes, it's 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 a it's a cold hard fact. If you engage in a combat sport or so contact any contact sport you're going to be you're going to deal with some head trauma issues but to to be so and to I, implement himself in the explanation as well yes, was very I, telling I, like I don't rem- I've never watched Dana White compete in a professional bout so I don't know what he yeah, means especially with- especially when uh when it came out when it came when Ariel Hawani spoke about the Gino Carano thing Dana White then said oh why is Ariel making it about himself if if right. but yeah, hearing hearing him speak so 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 coldly, and I, I'm not saying he's being cold sp- specifically to Fisher, but I think it's just because of the the notion of the business he's in, and he's seen it a, a thousand times. That didn't sit well with me, and you you just hope that in in the years to come, I, I don't necessarily know if this is going to happen. That the UFC they 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 invest more into the mental mental health aspect of it. I know they're I can't remember the name of the um, the uh what you call it the uh, my, my head's gone they they invest they, they're part of a ongoing study into cte they they announced yes it. they they are working with the lou ruvo center to that, figure out more right. so yes. I know that, that that's a start but you also have to try get to it before it gets to that stage yeah and it also involves psychedelics which is very um, preliminary in their studies, although there are ties to that. But I think the UFC could be doing more right now. Kairos, jump in on this. What you think? The answer that I have, it's a little bit, I feel like it's a solid answer, but also it can be manipulated. So as much as the UFC talks about the resources that they put into the PIs that are in America, the one that they're building in China and all over, I think they should have professionals in those places but at the end of the day, like if, if athletes aren't in those states and aren't able to have like weekly meetings or however bi-weekly or however frequently you need them, then you can't access that and have access to it whatsoever. You, you don't have the payroll or the manpower to extend that to every single state in the, uh, in the United States and across the world simultaneously, if we're just going to be honest. So and there's also a problem with if the UFC puts said professionals on payroll, because we've seen what happens with the NFL. The NFL has had a a problem with hiring doctors for their teams and for their organizations and then saying, well, we really need so-and-so to play this weekend. So if all, everything would be great, that would be great. And that's basically all I'm going to say, but that's how a lot of it goes down when you have people who owns, who own professionals who are doing certain things like that. So it's like, no matter what we say or what we like introduce, it can always be manipulated, but I do think the UFC needs to stop being idle about this issue. So what I'd like to see, like I said, is have professionals at the PIs, but then I also like them to extend it to like, you don't need, it's the, yeah, us, the 21st century, you don't need them to show up in person. You could have them doing Skype calls. You could have them doing phone calls. You could have them in contact some way, shape or form. So I think that they at least need to have enough professionals on the payroll to be able to talk to their athletes and not be like, oh shit, I'm on hold for three hours, but I'm just going to go train. 
or whatever. So definitely need to at least have professionals who are available to talk at the very least. Mike, your thoughts? Somebody who works very closely with those connected with mental health um, trauma and uh, mental health and living with uh, mental health issues. Um, it doesn't bode well when in order to actually acknowledge, in order to actually deal with, in order to tackle mental health issues, um, it does actually need to be destigmatized. And you don't destigmatize mental health by ridicule, by talking down to somebody who, in the case of Kevin Holland, you might recall recently, uh, in Dana White's world, or in Dana White's words, was going through some kind of breakdown in the cage when he was um, mid-fight checked out. Now, these are the words of the head of the company. It starts from the top and then cascades down in order to actually take real action about tackling mental health issues. Now, if the top brass, if the top man, if the top and head honcho has that sort of attitude, that doesn't bode well for the entire company taking it seriously. Plus, I really do feel that this is just the tip of the iceberg of all the people that we've mentioned. There are far more people living with mental health issues, but are scared, are afraid, literally afraid, anxious to speak up about it because of how they would be perceived. But not only that, how their boss perceives them. They are supposedly um, taking advantage of an opportunity and not a career. So why should there be long-term care from the man who actually looks after the company? So hence the reason why I feel a lot of them have actually bottled this up. A lot of them actually not talking about it. And as I say, the whole stigma is one step forward, if that were removed, one step forward in being honest about there being an issue. Now, if you can't actually speak about it, if you can't actually acknowledge it, how can you tackle it? So I see this being a cyclical issue. You will see these pockets of people who will have mental health anxieties, mental health issues, but nothing will be done because of this sort of like ridicule that they're put under if they do speak openly about it and they're scared to speak openly about it because of how the top and the head honcho, the head, the head brass actually views mental health. Yeah, Mike, I totally agree with you. And for me, I think if the UFC has enough money to make sure COVID protocols were in place and that we could move forward during a pandemic and still watch fights, I think they have enough money to work on this issue for their contracted fighters. I understand that this is what Dana was saying. It's, it's a contract. It's an opportunity, not necessarily a career. But let's not act like he still can't take care of the very people that are making him money. You understand, like it's not as black as white, black and white as you think. When the Fertitta brothers were um, a part of this company, I do remember fighters being able to go to like financial retreats or like there were things for them. There were perks for them. Now that this company, what's it called again? EMG, IMG? W-E-M-E-I-M-G. Boom. <laughs> that company right there seems to just really be on some get this money and create revenue. And there's nothing really left for the fighters. And I think with all the money that they're making, 
they can get some doctors involved. They can do more than just donate to some company that's working on psychedelics and, and, and treating the brain. They can do more for the actual individual. And I also think they should be, you know, speaking on mental issues. If you're going to cut a fighter because of his mental issues, cut him, offer some help, speak on the topic. Like Mike said, bring some um, attention and awareness to the illness, even if you're going to cut him you know, but offer some type of, say something and offer some type of treatment. And I think they have the money to do it. And I only think the UFC is going to do something when they can't get behind maybe a scandal or they have to get behind a scandal that deals with mental illness or violent behavior. When they have mm. to come in and clean something up or Mike Perry does something crazy or if there's an Aaron Hernandez situation in UFC, I think then they will take these things more seriously. But until then, we'll continue to see them not say anything about Louise Kenya. And also when they do speak of it, it'd be a little bit harsh and it's unfortunate. No, that's a good point that you raised about um, Aaron Hernandez. Obviously, his, uh, well, I, I don't know if you saw the, the scans of, of his brain, but his brain was just... Of a 92-year-old man, yes. It was, it, it was a mess. And he was, he, he was obviously badly, badly affected by, uh, by CTE and CTE played a big part in uh, the choices. That his behavior, yeah. Hundred percent, Mr. Morgan. And I think, go ahead. No, no, on you go. No, on you go. G. This is an important topic. No, I just want to say that I, I definitely see a connection between um, possible brain trauma and behavioral issues with our um, athletes that we watch. You know, it's just not a coincidence that Connor seems to have a like a really bad temper. Um, you know, Mike. Pe There's so many stories. Mike Perry, and I get that. Oh, folk fans are always like, they're fighters. What do you expect? I do expect them to kind of keep it in the cage and, and, and whatnot and not really get locked up and want, you know, like there's a line, there's a difference between a bar fight and now like some of the things we've been hearing that are like scary, like robbery and battery. So like I said, I just hope it's addressed, but Mike, I think you're up. Okay. Now New Zealand's Laura Hubbard has become the first ever transgender athlete basically picked to compete at the Olympics. My question is really short and sweet. Is it time that we rethink Fallon Fox and other potential trans athletes competing in MMA? Now, Bellator does seem to be a home for equal opportunities and uh, diversity. I mean, you've seen you know, them recently pick up Nick Newell. And um, I like the fact that they do wave the diversity banner so I'm thinking specifically of that as an organization, which kind of like acts as a standard barrier of sorts when it comes to diversity issues. So just going back to the question though, is it time in light of what's actually happened with Laurel or Laurel um, Hubbard, is it time that we rethink Fallon Fox and other potential trans athletes competing in MMA? And I'm going to go with Kairos first up. What's the current stance? Before I say should we read it, what's the current stance? If you look at uh, how they've dealt with Fallon Fox, particular um, comments from Joe Rogan in, in, in particular, it's frowned upon. And when you look at the commentary, when you look at the timeline, when Fallon Fox's name comes around and uh, is brought up, it's frowned upon. It's looked on um, in a very derogatory manner and uh, not favorably at yeah. all. Okay. Um, obviously, 
they shouldn't be speaking on her negatively. There was a fighter recently. I forget her name. She um did an interview about Fallon Fox or with Fallon Fox, and she like changed her stance. I can't remember who she is. I think she's with the UFC. Rosie um, Sexton. I just thought what it was. Um, who is well the UK's own Rosie Sexton? Oh, I okay, yeah. is is the person you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, it was her, and um, she her stance or she I think her stance originally was just that Fallon Fox should not be able to compete, and I. I skimmed through it. I'm pretty sure she said she's changed her opinion on yeah, um, right. that stance. And I just thought that was, I was like, okay, well, you're not competing anymore. So your words really don't mean anything while you're competing. You said what you said, you know, but I, I think if we're just talking about acceptance in the, in competition and letting them compete in specific organizations, um, I'm not too sure because if we're being honest here, I'm no geneticist i don't know anything about like the human body i don't know like so i'm not going to sit here and just spew out some bullshit because i don't know but i there was i think this conversation happened a few years ago and someone said perhaps if they um made the transition before they went through puberty they'd be like more willing to like talk about like having that be in the conversation i don't know if that's like an actual um i don't know the, the word to use if that's an actual factor or if it matters, not whether you um, went through puberty before transitioning, but I guess my stance would kind of be the same in terms of competition, but in terms of speaking about people and like talking on their name, I think that's a little bit disrespectful. That definitely has to change in the workplace because you see it happen all the time with women. You see it happen all the time with everyone in general and that shit has to stop. So I won't, I won't ever debate for that. Okay. G. I don't think we can move forward with transgender athletes until we educate ourselves and everybody else about transgender people. Because I think once we educate ourselves about the topic, it'll be easier for us to accept or, or, or not have these debates about competing with them and against them. Because if you think about it, male to female uh, transgenders, they have to be tested for a certain amount of testosterone for them to even compete against a man. And studies show that once they are at that level, they're at the same level as a man. So what's technically the issue if scientifically they're at the same playing field due to their testosterone? And also too, people need to realize that a lot of time transgenders cannot compete in the division that they want and are forced to compete in a division that's upsetting everybody else. There's a lot of just ignorant things and, and comments being said about transgenders. And what we really need to do is to educate ourselves so we can move forward. I don't think listening to Joe Rogan and him talking about, oh, he still has a big wrist, you know, she or, you know, she female to male, you know, uh, male to female, but she's still gonna have big wrists. They still have male bones. That is pure ignorance. Do the research first and then make a decision. And I agree with Kairos. There is no need to be disrespectful to trans people just because you don't understand their journey. They're still human beings. So I don't agree with Joe Rogan saying terrible things about them and also not educating himself on trans people. We, we need to respect them first, educate, and then move forward with them competing in our sports. So just, just for clarity, so far, are both you and Kairos saying that the Fallon Foxes of this world should be able to compete in MMA? Just for clarity. I do. If... if okay. If, if studies are done, it's cleared, and the ignorance of them competing is quelmed with education. Yes, they need to compete, and we need to treat them like human beings. Is that yes. what you're saying too, Kairos? Yes, what G? 
was okay. what she said. That's two so far. So take it away, Chisanga, before I, mean, I chime in. First and foremost, the, the, the way in which people discuss transgenders in, in general, regardless of the way of uh, the of, of the of the transition, whether it's male to female, female to male, that needs to change. That like we're we're well into the twenty first century. This is this is twenty twenty one. People need to be accepting of people's choices and just just get on with it. That said, this it's it, it it's it's a very difficult issue to to be honest. Then I'm I don't want to sound like I'm I'm perpetuating Joe Rogan esque esque um uh sentiment or, or what have you but there there, there are ugh, I, I just have to be re- very careful of how i say this just because i don't want to say it the wrong way and then and then offend anybody so men who transition to uh, to to becoming women to a certain extent still carry physiological benefits that females in general would, would wouldn't have and i'm not just talking about big bones or what have, what have you like it's, it's also to do with muscle density and what have you but uh, as g said if there's if there's if there's further studies done into it and proof over a long period of time saying that the transition has put them on a level playing field with their female counterparts then that's what i'm saying then then i then i should see no reason as to why why they shouldn't be allowed to compete but at this moment in time it doesn't seem as if there's anybody investing in into these studies so now you have these trans athletes who are in limbo and but conversely i do get the 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 opposing argument just just in general about uh uh, men competing competing men transitioning to becoming women and or trans trans women competing regular women sorry regular women biological women that's what i should say i don't want it to come across as as crass I, i i do get what they were saying and there is an example of the I think there was a girl from Tonga who ultimately lost her place after the the ruling in the the Olympics after, after the ruling, and it's it, it's very difficult. Yes, this girl has worked her entire entire life to to, to get to the Olympics, but if we're going to move forward, you have to move forward at some at some point, and there are going to be some casualties at the at this moment in time. I mean, yeah, but it, it's also it, it's as as long my 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 point is that I'm, I'm okay with it as long as, as long as the science shows that it is a, it is a level playing field. If yeah, the science yeah. shows otherwise, then I'm, 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 I'm not for it at this moment in, in time, but it also raises the interesting case of, uh, you know, the South African, uh, uh, what's her name? Caster Semenya, who just biologically has significantly, significantly higher testosterone levels than, than, uh, than her female, than, than her fellow females, and she's a biological female. Mm-hmm. And I believe the International uh, Olympic, well, International Olympics uh, Committee. I don't know what is. I think it's IAAAF. They forced her to take. Uh, well, they they basically forced her to take medicine to reduce her testosterone. Uh, yeah, do you know? Yes, know? they did. Yeah, yeah they, it they, was they, controversial. It's completely controversial when it's just a biological advantage. It's just like saying. <sighs> LeBron, it's just like John Jones having like an 84 inch reach or, or what have you. It's just something she's completely born with. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And they're, they're Is that insane. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And their <laughs> logic was, oh, well, it's an unfair advantage against, uh, against her, uh, her, her counterparts. But it's not as if she's, she, she, was, she was born a male and then became, then transitioned to a female and then she's carried this over. 
Do you know what I mean? It's. Uh, and do you think do you think they would ever do that to a male fighter either? Like, whoa, you have no. so much estrogen, so we're gonna <laughs> no. just make sure that you know you're not emotional in there. I don't know what the fuck, but you know what I mean. Like, they wouldn't do that to a male fighter. It's just a disrespect to a woman's body. And also, since we're on the topic, I hate culture vultures. A couple of weeks ago, I got into it with Lauren Murphy about this very topic, and she had no idea about the test and whatnot. Basically, she doesn't know anything about transgender athletes except that she doesn't think it's fair that yes. female you know she does the topic we're discussing she is totally down with females need to um be fighting females yada 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 but this is the same lady that wore the ufc lgbt shorts when she fought so just a warning to folks like just because someone is rocking black lives matter or you know they're for the the, the gay flag these are the same people that don't want you to have rights and that's why I, I raised it, because having rights and the themes of oppression and suppression does feature really highly in our shots fired discussions. That's why this kind of resonated with me. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but the themes um, have some carry across. And just to underline, no, it isn't the same thing. But the way that I kind of look at it is, or the way that I look at it is, I feel as though we don't even need scientific validation to give um, transgender athletes the green light. If someone actually identifies as a woman, that is their God-given right. I feel, and I'm quite strong on this, in that where is their home? Where is their safe place? Where is their um, cause for celebration if they do not have a place within a chosen field? because of the way that other people view them. Because remember, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. They identify as a woman, but yet they are bound by other people's um, suppression and oppression, whether it be medical, whether it be ideological. And that I think really does need to change. In 2021, we should be looking forward to embracing all forms of diversity. And that's why, I really am kind of like strong on the fact that medicine or the, the medical aspect, I really don't feel needs to be a qualifier. That's because Mike, you have made transgender people human. You see them as human beings. Yeah. So you're kind of skipping over the whole test and whatnot. I am actually in a, I agree with you, but for the folks that haven't humanized them yet, we need the scientific studies and the tests to kind of just get them to calm down and then to like humanize them. Cause that's the problem. It's like, for instance, my, I remember the controversy with trans people, trans men in the bathroom. I was a police officer at the time. And I remember just um, everybody being upset, like a man in, in, in a woman's bathroom. What about the kids? What about, you know, he could molest, you know, a kid. I was a cop for 10 years, never arrested a trans person for assaulting anybody in a bathroom. Police officers are looking at everybody else like, why are you making this up? If there's any assault in the bathroom, it was a man trying to rape a woman or a fist fight in the bathroom. I have never, ever caught a trans man trying to, you know, feel up a kid. But yet people are out there trying to keep them from using the bathroom. Why? Because they're not humans to them. So we need to figure out as a society how to get people to look at them as human beings first. And then I think the way to do that is by the scientific studies. Calm down. The testosterone is being tested. It's a fair playing field. Human being, let them let them compete. And also educate yourself first before you pick a side. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I see that a lot online, you know. Go ahead, that's, Mike. That, 
that's why I was going to bring you back to that because I think it mm -hmm. does start with the individual. They need to go away. And like you say, I'm glad you underlined that at the end there and educate themselves. That's where it should be starting from. Gaining mm -hmm. knowledge, having some kind of appreciation instead of this knee-jerk reaction in the kind of like testosterone-fueled um, way that Joe Rogan ad addresses it. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that, you know, to do it with a level head, go and educate yourself is a great stand starting point. Has Joe Rogan ever had a trans person on his show or does he just bash them? Um, I don't, I don't think he has. No, well, I think... He might have, though. I'm not sure. I think, I think Eddie Izzard, who... Uh, Eddie Izzard, I'm pretty sure, hasn't made the transition, but he basically lives his life like a woman. He dresses like a woman in, in, in entirely. I think Eddie Izzard mm. has been on the show. But again... You, you talk about education being at the forefront uh, and the catalyst for change. It, it would take something like, it, I don't think Rogan realizes how powerful it would be for a, a, a trans person, regardless of the, the, the manner of the transition coming on and explaining these things and what it would do for, for the community and for people's understandings and for, and, and for relations as well, to be honest. I, I mean, it's, well, yeah. In, instead of this, uh, well, he, borderline meathead approach to 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 right. it. guy shouldn't be able to what, what have you. But one thing that I, I well, I don't necessarily say I disagree with what, what you said with Mike, but I think leans towards the fact that at this moment in time, you do need the sciences because you just said that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody might say that. Oh, yeah, I identify as as a woman, and if that if if that's true, then more power to you. Salute. I'm happy. I'm happy that you feel. Mm. Doing that right you're being your true self yeah you're being your true self but unfortunately that if we if we were to just open it up as as is at this moment in time you're going to have people who are just who, who will try to look for an advantage in any way shape shape or form there will be those people and i don't know but here's 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 some education for you when a person transitions and they physically do it and also those that are privy to insurance those people are also psychologically put through the ring. Oh, of course, of course, 100%. So, yeah. you know, that cuts down on mental illness, like something wrong with you, or like, are you trying to be your true self? And people don't realize that when you transition, you just don't wake up and be like, I'm a guy. Like, you have to go through the motions yeah, of therapy. Just yeah, and just right. you're out of nowhere. Like, as, as you say, you use the example of uh, you wake up and you're like, you know what? I feel like a, I feel like a woman or, or, or what have you. But as yeah. it pertains to allowing somebody to, to, to fight, I think it's, di I think it's different than competing in just any other, other sport, any other uh, sport that isn't like a com combat sport. But they can be psychologically evaluated yeah. first and the test and the studies that I speak of, you know? Yeah. As it pertains to MMA at this moment in time, you need that you need the, the the data to to, to back it up yes yeah know that look there's no f physiological benefits and i completely get i completely get that and at, at, at this moment in time i understand why why some people are like well i don't want to fight so and so because i believe that they've had x x amount of benefit for for having x or testosterone in their body for x amount of years but i would implore them to look do your research and if you if if and if and if you're you're skeptical about about fighting somebody, ask them to provide information as to their testosterone level, how long their testosterone level has been lower, and then to see if it's on an even kilter with your own, and to see if you are on a, on a level playing field. 
Because but that also asks the person too, if you do that, to leave your biases and stereotypes, of course, of, uh, to the side and listen to the data. And I just don't know if there's a lot of people willing to do that. You ever argue with someone online and you present them facts, and they're just like, "I still feel the way that I feel." Yeah, but, I mean, then you know? if get to that point, then for lack of a better term, that person's an asshole, and I'll happily, I'll happily say that. I mean, if you just ignore scientific fact, <laughs> a lot are doing that with trans. By the way, that's why I brought it up. It's just there are people content with not wanting them to compete because they're not humans to them and they are judging them. No, they, I mean, come on, man! Like it's horrible. It, it again, we're we're in the twenty first century, and thankfully, I know the the tide is slowly but surely surely turning as as it comes to when when it when it comes to the perceptions of of, of trans people. Maybe I don't. Maybe that's that statement is uh, not hundred percent true, or at least just from what I've seen. I'm not a person uh, who's, who's transitioned, and I, I don't know that many people have transitioned, so I'm not hundred percent versed, uh, well versed in the in the struggles that they go through. But just on the surface of things, or, or maybe I'm guilty of being in an echo chamber. But just from the surface of things, I think things are in comparison from five years ago to. To, to now that things are definitely heading in the right direction, but you can only just hope that they continue to do so. Because as you say, these are human beings, human beings who have the right to be whoever they want, dress however they want, identify however they want. But and have basic human rights exactly. as well. The same ones we have. Yeah. yeah. Here's my question. Oh, I thought it froze. Y'all freezing. Okay, sorry. Um, here's my question. You were talking about competing. So here, like, because I think this is a very plausible situation because you look at how the NFL just treats gay people. Like that one, this one dude, he's like the second guy to come out of his game. You def you you know he's getting that shit in the locker room. Like, you know, whether it's just the cold shoulder, whether it's just like, man, fuck you type of shit, because that's how people are. People are sick. But let's say you have a transgender athlete that's um and you have an entire roster of people like, no, nah, I'm not fighting. No, nah, I'm not fighting. No, nah, I'm not fighting. How do you deal with that, that type of situation? How could you, how could you deal with, and let's say, let's say they go on like, they go on like a two fight winning streak or whatever. And they're in a major promotion and everyone above is like, no, nah, we ain't fighting. How do you, how would you navigate a situation like that? And I feel like that needs to be talked about because a lot of, I feel like that's a lot of the reason why a lot of these promoters, even if they support the cause, they'd be like, well, shit, if I start taking away rankings and this person's not winning fights because no one wants to fight them, then I automatically have to bestow upon them a championship title and everyone doesn't want to fight. Like, then what? Like, you know, so how would they navigate that sort of situation? Because you can't just start cutting everybody. You have to like, people have to be educated on it. If they're not educated and they choose not to educate themselves, then they're just going to stay the exact same for however long. And then you just have a standstill. So uh, that's my that's my question, really. I, I personally feel that we have uh, precedence here. I mean, look what happened with Fallon Fox. There was no shortage of people queuing up to fight her. That wasn't the real issue. It was outsiders. It was other people looking in that had a real issue with it. Now, when you look at um, the discrimination that um, occurs with transgender fighters um, or with that transgender fighter in particular, um, I don't really think it was anything to do with uh, the promotion itself. Mm. And like I say, for me, um, the whole thing does start with education. I hear where you're coming from, that maybe that's a high expectation, 
But, you know, you do have to start somewhere. But I think that that might be a, a bit of a uh, of a red herring that, you know, no one okay. wants want to fight them. Yeah. All right. Valid. Yeah. And I, I well, and, and, and you'd like to think that, especially at the UFC, that once you get there, it's you have to fight whoever. Like if you really believe you're the best, you'll fight anybody. Do you, do you know what I mean? And let, let, let's, let's not forget as well that I'd, I'd probably say 99.9% of the, the female fighters on the rosters, they will train and they'll go spar heavy with their male uh, teammates anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that's a, it would be a difficult one to, to navigate, Kairos, but I'm kind of leaning towards Mike's, uh, Mike's stance on it, that there wouldn't be that much of, of, of an issue. And plus, I know, I know this, sounds, this sounds harsh, but you've got, you've got to think of like the negative and the worst case scenario. There will be those people that would be like, oh, well, you know what? I want to be somebody who was once a man. There'll be pe- there will be some people that will go in there with that warped mindset. Mm. Yeah. Well, just before we put a bow on the show, I just wanted to have a quick canter through in terms of this weekend or this coming weekend's fight card, um, fight night, Gagne versus Volkov. Now it's gone, isn't it? I, I, you know what? I got this because you keep saying or kept saying Gagne. It looks like it should be Gagne, but it's gone. Versus um, and I, I know that we've got Bellator action as well. I just wanted to say, you know, and uh, have we got PFL as well? PFL and we got the Trilogy Cage Warriors as well. It's a stacked weekend. Now, I yeah. just wanted to just get your collective thoughts on, of all of those fight cards which are actually coming down the pipe, which fights you are particularly looking forward to what actually float your boat. For me, uh, I do want to see what happens with um, um, our man, Black Panther, Dominic Wooding, as he's now signed to Cage Warriors. I want to see how his journey pans out there. And I can't wait for his debut on uh, Cage Warriors. Can't wait to see that. But Moving to the UFC, um, again, we're, we're talking about things which floats our boat. I can't wait to see what happens between Jai Herbert and Hinata Moicano. I mean, yeah, that's gonna be fire. Jai Herbert, um, you know, obviously had a shaky start. Stop the fight, stop the fight. It's still <laughs> in my ears. Um, but I can't wait to see what he does here. How about you, Kairos? Um, I, I'm pretty sure Ryoni Barcelos is fighting on this card, yes. Against Gervaliev, which is yes, I'm pretty. I was pretty, I was sure it was you. This card or the next card that was coming up, and that is exciting because I think out of those two people, I think both of them could make it to the top five. I think both of those dudes can be in the top five. So that's why I'm I'm very curious to see how this turns out. Because if one person gets fucking blown out the water, then obviously I was fucking wrong. But if it's like a competitive matchup, then I'm like, okay, oh shit. Yeah, I I think Barcelos has some type of um outbreak performance soon and the fans really get to know him mm, it's just i just think it, we're gonna see a fight soon and they're gonna like people's profile pictures are gonna change i think he's that good <laughs> that's how you know the profile pictures <laughs> i think he's that good that's but what it just they just need that performance to convince them that's what happened that's what i talked about at the top of the show yeah pictures changed after two fights oh yeah yeah because he beat two guys who he should be and then he says smash yeah uh, right. Barcelos will have a similar like watch when he has his outbreak performance. But for me, real quick, 
I am excited about um, Rachmanov. Am I saying oh, his name wrong? Oh, my fight. It stole my fight. Child. Yeah. I don't care who this man fights. This is, where's he from again, Chisanga? Do you know? I think he's from Kazakhstan. Yes, this man can wrestle and he has hands and he's undefeated and he is quiet as a mouse. And he, to me, is the, 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 the black horse of the division, the sleeper guy. And I think he's going to be a problem at welterweight. I'm not going to compare him to Usman yet, but I am sold on him and I cannot wait to see this fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that fight. Uh, I'm also looking forward to Tim Means against Nicholas Dalby. Unfortunately, that was meant to be our guy, uh, Mr. Hot Chocolate, Danny, Danny Roberts, but COVID uh, scuppered, scuppered that fight. But selfishly, I'm actually quite happy because it looks like maybe then he'll get rescheduled for September against uh, mm-hmm. well, against uh, at, at UFC London, which is tentatively slated for September 4th. Um, I'm also, uh, I'm going to steer away from the, uh, from the UFC card going to go to cage warriors i'm looking forward to ian uh, ian gary if you guys do not know about ian gary you need to get yourselves to know this guy is going to be in the ufc i think probably within the next 12 months uh, maybe maybe even less he's fighting jack Grant for the cage warriors welterweight title and okay going going back who else, who else is fighting on this on this ufc card this this weekend and uh, Andre Feely against Daniel Pineda. Is that this weekend or is it the weekend afterwards? No, it's this weekend. Yeah, that's a very good fight at, at featherweight. Yeah, those 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 three, apart from the, the main event or the uh, the main event of uh, the Gan Volkov fight or, or fights I'm really, really looking forward to. I know a lot of people were shitting on this main card this coming weekend, but from a European perspective, I'm loving this. I'm loving the fact also that we get an early start. I yeah, mean, yeah, man. Nine o'clock start. Nine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all actually gonna be up for the end. I I just think I I do think there's a little bit of bias that people are just like, man, fuck the UK. I ain't I ain't watching this shit. But I also think that <laughs> it's from the standpoint too, it's just like, bro, <laughs> this is the 15th straight week, I think. I think we're going 15 weeks strong. Like last week, I'm not gonna even lie to y'all. I turned on that fight card, watched two fights, and I shut it off. <laughs> I, sometimes you need a break yes and the next morning i started watching fights but i was like tonight i just can't i drank myself to sleep i was like i'm not watching this shit i'm going to bed <laughs> I, i'm not I gonna have, lie I, have, um... I, I, I skipped it completely i didn't watch any fights last weekend i didn't watch any and you know what i found the fact that one of my friends Richard howard she in spaces was holding a whole Juneteenth uh, block party. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Start to finish. That, for me, was more entertaining. It's nice sometimes just to chill out and just take your foot off the gas and just step away from the fights. You enjoy them more when you return. That's true. Exactly, exactly. And you can always just record it and watch it the next morning. Do you know what I mean? You don't have yeah. to dedicate <laughs> your, whole, your whole evening or, or what have you. Like, and my- every Saturday evening, you know? It's... it's- yeah. It's a lot sometimes. It's a lot, and the amount of times, like back, especially back in the day, that I'd I just stay off social media, uh, wouldn't watch any 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 fights, and then I'd wait until like the following day, or go back to the old old school website, Mike. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember MMAlinker.com? That website. MMA Linker, no. Yeah, so it used to provide links to like the fights, like pretty pretty soon after the. Um, <laughs> afterwards like this is me out in myself Ooh, <laughs> not anymore right now don't do this <laughs> nah, no dude this site's been down for like i think right. maybe 
Oh, like, okay. I was about to say, people are going to get mad at you. <laughs> You're about to be I'm the new Brendan Schwab, yo. I'm not just out in them right now, but yeah, I remember vividly it used to, um, that was my, my go-to, go-to for it. So like when I, I think the last fight I remember watching that was uh, using that link was, I think it was Chael Sonnen against Anderson Silva one, the first one. So way before the journalism days, way before that. Yeah, you, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I should have prefaced that by, by saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, I guess we can put our shooters back in our holsters. That wraps up another episode of Shots Fired. Are we going to be doing spaces this weekend, seeing as though it is such an early card? I'm looking to go to any space we just opened. So just let me know, tag me in, and uh, I'll certainly be there. No pressure, Kairos and uh, G. <laughs> no one ever comes in my spaces. That's why I don't open them. I opened it one time. I was like, fine, I'll do it. And no one came. And I was like, what? Oh. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> what? No one came. Yeah, I opened up. It was like it was a few weeks ago. I was like, all right, I'm not doing that. Let me open I up saw space. you do that, too. And I think I was at work like, dag, homie, I can't join in. Ain't nobody around. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was like, no, no. one want to hear me talk. <laughs> No, no promises, but maybe I'll do a spaces. I don't know. To host feels like a job sometimes. You got to fight the trolls. You got to fight people that are awkward. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see, Mike. I'll hit you up if I do one. Most definitely. Nice one. And uh, we'll uh, put up the back signal for the listeners too. Okay, we out.